0: Let's go to Proverbs 22. I want to connect a couple thoughts. I I know how I read it in the King James, but I'm borrowing your uh, book here. So I left my Bible out in the car, and I was too lazy to go get it. Uh, Forgive me for the laziness. but I grew up reading the King James, and it's hard to read something different. Oh, you got a King James. It's not that I'm against other translations, and it's good to read the other translations every once in a while. Proverbs twenty-two. Proverbs hey, twenty-two. look at these. What versions that? Proverbs. That, yeah, that's a uh, what is that? Good news translation. All right. Filling up your notebook. All right. Proverbs 22 and verse 21. And I'm reading here in the NIV. uh, 21. 21. Well, starting in verse 20, he says, Have not I written. 30 sayings of you, saying of counsel and knowledge for you, sayings of counsel and knowledge, teaching you to be honest and speak the truth so that you may bring back truthful reports to those who serve you. Now, now I always got it in my head what the, how the King James read it. He says that I, you might know the certainty of the words of truth and that you might and you might speak the truth of those that send you, and it's a little uh, reads a little bit different there. Uh, what we were talking about last week is we were talking about this concept of truth. How you doing, man? <laughs> and uh, the bigger word is metaphysics, I guess. That's where we're starting. What there's three big three big divisions of philosophy is what is true, what is good, what is beautiful. Those are the three great, great branches of philosophy, and we're starting with what is true. Of course, Jesus Christ said, I am the truth, the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 4, the Song of Moses, uh, God says he's the God of truth and without iniquity, just and right as he that he is the source of truth Christ himself claimed to be the source of truth the very truth itself and ultimately there that's where as a Christian that's what I'm proclaiming and I'm not trying to be bashful about it and that's what I'm trying to defend and that's why we're going uh, right now we're just going through apologetics until the Lord lays something else on my heart but uh, or lays something else on your all's heart that you all want to talk about but um, we talked really a little bit about what is the Bible about? Uh, what, is, what, what is the truth that is being proclaimed in the Scriptures? And it's very simple. One out of every five verses assert one truth about God, one truth about reality, that God is Lord. He's the absolute Lord of all things. And by the virtue that he created all things. He defined all things. Uh, he, is, he is Lord over all things. He's in control. He is present. He, is, uh, he has authority absolute authority over all things, and that's the truth that we're trying to proclaim. We talked a little bit about what reality is for as far as the created world. Uh, We talked about tangible things, like things you can sense, things you can touch, things you can taste. Um, We talked about intangible things. Those are things like love, things like uh, uh, thoughts, (laughs) uh, uh, logic, and we're going to talk a little bit about logic tonight. Just intangible realities, and that we know those intangible realities exist, Um, and what what is the account of those things? And then we looked a little bit at Colossians chapter one, where it said, where it said of Jesus Christ, and it was talking about Jesus, where he says, "By him were all things created, and for him." And this concept of the first and final cause. What is the first cause? Anybody remember what a first cause is? So if you have a chain of events this caused this kiss caused this this caused was caused by that which was caused by that you can't go all the way back you have to arrive at something that first caused everything to be and that's that's the uncaused cause if you would that that eternal reality the the ground of all reality the thing that caused everything else um and we're going to talk more about that concept but the scriptures say that all things were created by Christ. Uh, John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And all things were made by Him. And without anything, without Him was not anything made that was made. And, and that is what is declared of Christ. And that's the great truth of Christianity is that very Word was made flesh and dwelt among us and made, revealed Himself specifically to us. Uh, so the, you have the, the idea of the first cause, but you also have the idea of a final cause. You all remember what a final cause is, or what the final cause is. Well, the final cause is Christ, of course. But what is a final cause? Uh, and I, the, target. the target. All right. So if I'm if I got a bow here and I pull the arrow back on the string and I'm pointing there towards a the target, that target is the final cause. That's the purpose for to which everything is aimed. Uh, so there is purpose in reality, right? Uh, if if an an acorn has a purpose, if it falls to the ground, everything about its purpose is already built into it. Um, it's meant to become an oak tree. Uh, there, there is a purpose in every single human cell of your body because it has what? It has instructions, instructions to do what? Make you, (laughs) And make what and 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 function as part of the uh, of your system, or and create those things that function in part of, as part of your system, so you can breathe and you can walk around. Um, there is purpose in everything. We can describe everything mathematically um, as far as this physical world. We er, things have purpose, and this idea that we live in a purposeless existence. Um, uh, or that we just arose out of randomness is is false because that's not what reality is. Reality has purpose. Every cell, every atom has purpose. Uh, and where does purpose come from? It comes from a mind. It comes from it comes from an intelligence putting that purpose into reality. So we are literally swimming in in in, in in uh, a reality infused with purpose and that purpose screams out the existence of God and what the scriptures have proclaimed is is that all things were made by Christ and for Christ that he is both the final cause or the first cause and he is the final cause of all things everything was made by him and is pointed towards him as the ultimate purpose of all things that's what's been declared by the scriptures uh so we talked about personal calls, final calls, and we started talking about the personal nature of truth. And I want to pick up there tonight and hopefully make a little this uh, uh make start making some sense out of this discussion of what is true. Um truth is its very basis is personal. Um it's truth is something we know. Uh I don't think anybody of us, any of us would say that there's nothing to be known because we know stuff, uh, like two plus two equals four is not just floating out there, but it's a, it's a piece of knowledge that can be known. Uh, so truth is something that is known by somebody. Uh, truth is also something that is relational. It involves, uh, it involves a subject and an object. Uh, we, we took, we, we've heard those ideas of something being subjective and something being objective at that, that, that talks about the subject object relationship. Uh, I am a subject. Uh, this coaster is an object. Um, and so it involves, uh, me, a per, a subject knowing something about an object. Uh, that's, that's, that gets really kind of out there abstract. And I want to make it a little clearer here though. Um, truth not not truth therefore is a relational thing because it involves us knowing something about something else but truth involves knowledge that knowledge is very important because that knowledge is real information and therefore when we talk about truth we can we can we can talk about it propositionally like i'm going to say the phrase god exists that that verse that that not verse but that sentence is either true or it's false, but it's not, it, it can't be neither it can, or it can't be both. It is it is either true or false. And if that statement is true, and I know it to be true, then it's not just me simply knowing two plus two equals four. It's me knowing something, something about reality that demands a response from me. So it's a, it's relational. Uh, I talked about uh, if you want to go to. Uh, Acts 17, we have Paul arguing with the philosophers on Mars Hill. Uh, He's there in Athens, Greece. And there Paul is declaring the gospel, and he sees that they are worshiping all these various deities and all these strange gods. And he sees this sign that says, To the unknown God. There was an altar to an unknown god, and just in case they left out any of the gods there in Greece that they weren't honoring in some way, shape, or form, they had a they had a altar dedicated to the one they didn't know, <laughs> and so they were worshiping that as well. Uh, and Paul says, you know, I I see that you all are superstitious or 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 religious and he, um, over religious and he begins to declare there uh this he said he said in verse 24 he says the god that made the world and everything that is in it the lord of heaven and earth he does not live in temples made with hands and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything rather he himself gives to everyone life and breath and being we see him as the first cause there from one man god made all nations uh and to inhabit the earth. He marked and appointed their boundaries in history and time and boundaries in lands, and he did this so that they would seek him and perhaps they might reach out and find him. God has created a a purpose for us in the world that we may reach out and find and discover him. Of course, he gives the idea of them, the philosophers there in Athens, as kind of like blindly groping. Oh, if I could just catch God but he goes on and says but God has made himself known in that he has given you life and breath and being we sit here and we're we're breathing air and we're living we're we're having thoughts and we're thinking uh uh we're we're we're, we're feeling emotions we're fe- we're ha- doing all these things and these came they don't originate in us uh, we we don't even have control over our next breath once we Breathe out this next breath. There's no guarantee of the next, but there is some. There is a God that is not only giving us these things, but He is, He is revealing Himself and the truth of Himself in it. That He is, that He is uh, there. Uh, so, truth not only involves this idea that there is a there is a subject and an object, and me knowing something about the object. But it screams out one idea that there is a revealer of truth that there is someone at some point in time that communicated all this knowledge that we have, and I'll go back to that letter that was written if you stumble across a letter on the, on the on the street and it says, "Hey, honey, will you please pick up milk on your way home and uh, uh, love uh, your wife or, or, or love uh, Stacy or whatever you just pick a name there." Uh, you you don't just believe that this is all that this is a random happening that somehow that there was an explosion of ink and paper and it randomly fell and created this letter. You know because you're seeing that there is communication of knowledge uh, of knowledge and truth going on in that letter that there is one mind communicating with another mind. Um, if you saw if you even saw something simple like. Like uh, you were walking down the beach and you saw someone scru- uh, scrawled the word "help" in the sand or something. You you would know that communication was going on. I, I think it's funny that there's a lot of atheists that are looking for aliens. And I'm not saying aliens exist or don't exist, but uh, they got their satellites or SETI satellites or pointed up towards heaven and the, and yeah uh, and. Uh, and uh, they're looking for they're, they're broadcasting prime numbers and hoping for hoping for some kind of communication back why because because they they know that if they find something that is non-random even the communication of prime numbers back to them that that is not accidental that that is this that that, that purposeful intervals and things of that nature are of themselves one mind communicating to the another mind here's this uh, there is this uh, uh, Christian philosopher, I think, uh, in Oxford, or I can't remember where, where he is, um, his name's Alvin Platinga, and he talks about that, that this idea that we are already confronted with this truth, that not only do our minds exist, and all, we have the ability to know this world around us, but there is a mind that has made knowledge, and, has in, and by virtue of that, Just by the fact that we are dealing with things that you and I know, we live in a world where God is communicating and revealing himself to us. Uh, Hopefully that's not too abstract because I want to get a little further abstract here in a second. Uh, But any questions about that as far as the nature of truth? When we're talking about truth, we're talking about this idea that minds are communicating and we're ultimately living in a world where God has communicated truth and revealed himself. Now, has anybody ever heard of a man named Aristotle? Yep. yep. All right. Does um, anybody like that movie, um, uh, the Princess Bride? Of course. Of course. Awesome movie. You know, we got Bassini there. Uh, 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 he, he's like a, You ever heard of? He ever heard of Plato, Aristotle, Socrates? And it says yes, and it says morons. <laughs> All right. So purporting himself to be wise. Now, I'm not going to say Aristotle's a moron. I want to talk to you a little bit about what something Aristotle taught. Anybody ever heard of the law of non-contradiction? Yeah. All right. The law of non-contradiction. So if we if we were to talk about truth, we would ask, well, what is the first principle? What what is something that is foundational to our idea of what truth is? And we would start with as far as philosophy goes, with Aristotle's law of non-contradiction. Now, the law of non-contradiction is simply this. I know it's going to be a really hard concept. Truth cannot contradict. It cannot contradict itself. Or, if you wanted to formulate, A is not non-A. Uh, is the way that uh, Aristotle with A is not non-A. So you got the identity, A is A, the law of identity, then you've got the law of non-contradiction, which says A is not non-A. I wish I had a board. I'd write all this out for you. Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to like a... I think the smiley face can be sacrificed. For. <laughs> <All right. laughs> well, maybe next time I'll write it all down. So, but... And then you got the law of excluded middle that says it can't be either, it can't be both and, it must be either or. Uh, But really, we're just talking about the law of non contradiction. So, how does this work? A is not non A. If I was to stand up and say, I am a married bachelor. First of all, you would think that I'm some kind of horn dog that I'm just trying to trying to cheat on my wife or something like that, and you know I'll take my ring off whenever it suits me kind of like <laughs> no, but that that's a contradiction, right? If what I mean by married and what I mean by being a bachelor is true, I cannot in the same time and the same place and in the same relationship, say I'm both married and a bachelor at the same time, right so I can say that I used to be married and now I'm, or I used to be a bachelor and now I'm married, right? Uh, I can do that without contradicting because I'm talking about two different times, two different relationships. uh, But uh, but if I was to say I'm a married bachelor, that is a contradiction in terms. Now, where does the law of non-contradiction come from? Well, you can't. It, it, it's there. You're not going to discover it any more than my thought of an elephant and Ben's thought of an elephant or not. You're not going to be able to take our brains apart and measure them and and say, aha, Ben's Ben's got the thought of a bigger elephant there, than, and uh, or or anything like that. Uh, so so where are you going to discover? If if we uh, pick apart this entire universe, we're not going to say, aha, right there, right there is the law of non-contradiction. Uh, we've discovered it. it. It's not something you can touch or see, or it's one of those intangible things, but it's real. You're using it right now. In fact, you cannot not use it and still think coherently. Uh, we have this, we, it, it is part of the structure of the world that we live in that the law of non-contradiction is true it's part of the structure of your mind to think in terms of the law of non-contradiction and even if you go over to india uh where they say well it's not either or it's both and and it's both this and that uh, uh like uh, like uh, you're watching the matrix or something you can't bend the spoon it's impossible <laughs> you know you got to realize there is no spoon and sure yourself as been all that kind of weird stuff but even if, you, even if you go over there, uh, like Robbie Zacharias once said, and I'm by no means saying Robbie Zacharias is a good guy. I'm just quoting him for a second. But he said, said uh, <clears throat> even in India, we will wo- look both ways before we cross the street because we know it's either the bus or us. <laughs> it's, not, it's not both of us at the same time that's gonna, that can occupy that space. So you cannot even think. But yet, so this, this thought structure, is just part of reality. We can't discover it. We cannot deny it. But it's, But the second we know it's there, we also know God's there. Because how do we get the law of non-contradiction? Well, what is the law of non-contradiction but the fact that, that I am not this and I am not that, I am something different than this or that, that there is a distinctions within reality and it's built upon this idea that there's a st- distinction between you and God. There is what John Frame called the creator-creature distinction. There is God. There is one God, and you're not, you're not God. There is one God, and I'm not God. That God is the creator. I'm the, the originator of me. He's the one that made me. He's the one that made this world I live in. There is this creature creator distinction that is real. And that becomes the basis for a world where the law of non-contradiction exists. Uh, Hence, we read there in Proverbs, that I might make you know truth, that you might be able to speak truth. That's that's, that's the idea that's coming here. Now, I I want us to apply this for a second. It's either God... Or it's, chaos. it's either Christ or chaos. It's either a belief in God or it's a belief in absolute nihilism. And I believe this with all my heart that this is the way it is. Because the law of non-contradiction is a truth that is undeniable. Truth exists. Now, if someone comes along and says, uh, there is no truth, can you figure out what's wrong with that statement? I'm going to say... Now there there is no truth. Does that make sense to you? No. It, contradicts it contradicts itself. It's saying it is a truth that there is no truth. <laughs> right. So so that statement can never be true. It can never be true that there is no truth, uh, because to say so would be to deny. It. Now let's say it, let's say it a different way. Uh, I, I'll say um, um, Keith. Is that your name, right? All right, got your name right. I'm trying to remember some names, and I'm starting to get them. All right, Uh, I remember that because someone says, "Keith, don't don't get that." Yes, last time I was here, so they yelled your name out. Now I remember. Uh, So, Keith, if I say to you, "Truth cannot be known," what's wrong with that statement? Yeah, what's that? Yeah. Yeah. So, so the question is: Is how do you know truth can't be known? What you're really saying is: Is I know for a truth that truth cannot be known. They are claiming to know something about truth that truth is unknowable. So it's a contradiction, or or truth cannot be communicated. Okay, you're communicating something about truth already. You're saying no. So what? What, what's that acknowledging. you're acknowledging and you're communicating that that your belief that truth can't be communicated so the only thing that can logically be said is there is truth it can be known and it can be it, it can be communicated and, and that's true but all of those but all of those things are denied by nihilism now i use that word nihilism what is nihilism obliterated all right so it's nothing really not nihilistic. Uh, it's the idea nothing can be known, nothing can be communicated, but all life itself is meaningless or something like that. There is no purpose, there is no design, there is no truth. All of that all of that is the denial of the basic thing that you and I know just thinking. Truth is real. There is a mind that has communicated it to us and that mind is God. And uh, it's important for us to. It's important for us when we're approaching this idea of truth that we don't come to the so much. It's so easy to say, well, all truth is relative. Well, is that truth relative? Uh, no, no. All truth is not relative. There is absolute, real truth out there. And it can be known, and it's and it's not something that you create in your mind, and you have your truth, and I create in my mind, and I have my truth. There is this reality of God, this God that has created and defined all things for himself and has created us to live in that world that he has made and created us ultimately to know him and to know things about him. Uh, I don't know what time it is. All right, so it don't look like we're too far. Uh I'll take about 10 more minutes, and I'll quit. But I want to get, what does this look like in culture? Because you and I swim in the world of, we, we, we live in this culture that we, I mean, this crazy culture that we're in. Uh, and uh, I want to give you kind of a history of culture, of, of truth in culture. Uh, before Christianity, I was, before the advent and the pre- preaching of Christ, there was uh this world, especially our world in the West, specifically, and uh, was uh immersed in paganism. If I say paganism, what 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 do you all think of when you think of paganism? Beliefs of many gods. All right. So so yeah, there's one aspect of it. So polytheism. Uh, so there there is there is a god for this and a god for that. Uh, um, usually, usually they, usually they would try to appease all kinds of different gods in different ways. Um, a lot of it had to do with uh, their major gods in, in agrarian culture. Had to do with uh, fertility. Uh, for instance, if uh, if you read about some of the gods of the nations in ba- uh, in uh, the Bible, you would hear about Baal. Uh, Baal, They're depending on how you pronounce it, what 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 was he? He was a, a fertility god. Why were they worshiping a fertility god? Because they wanted good crops. So so they'd have all kinds of weird. Uh, things that they would do to try to ensure good, good crops they'd sacrifice babies, believing that they'd get more fruit back and more babies back if they sacrificed their firstborn or or they'd do all these sexual things in their temples to try to appease the sexual gods of fertility, but they had a god of the sky, a god that would bring rain, a god that would a god that would um, uh, bring sunshine a god and they would worship uh, they worship all these various gods. So polytheism—that's part of paganism. Anything else that you can think of? Uh, th- this idea that uh, called animism. Uh, so this idea that everything has a spirit. Um, anybody, I, I I usually teach this in school, and I'll ask the kids if they've ever seen Pocahontas. But I don't want to ask you guys because you all are—you know—you uh, all never watch cartoons, right? <laughs> I right. watched it. Live. All right, you seen Pocahontas? Some of you all seen Pocahontas? Hell yeah. Pocahontas. All right, you had... right. Yeah, okay, you watched it with your grandma. No, my grandma's name is Pocahontas. Oh, okay. But I'm talking about the movie Pocahontas. Oh, yeah. I had daughters. Yeah, you I had daughter. Okay, yeah. yeah. So Pocahontas had Mother Willow. What yeah. was she? A tree. The speaking tree. Um, uh, so you not you have that. You have you have polytheism, you have animism. You have Ancestor worship. <laughs> uh, anybody seen the movie? Uh, and my little boy loves this movie, and I'm not talking bad about it. But Coco, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. love the movie Coco. Same. All right. So what do you see in that? You see a lot of ancestor worship. Uh, they're they're worshiping. They're, they got they got the ofrenda, which is another another word for altar. And they're lighting these candles. They are saying they they're praying to their ancestors or doing these things. That's kind of vestiges of old paganism. Uh, so they're so ancestor worship, polytheism, uh, um, animism, and nature worship—basically the worship of nature. Uh, yeah, well, in, in Native American culture, it's usually a, it loosely called the Great Spirit. Or yeah. Like that. yeah. But but uh, still, probably probably the best example of this and in today's society is, and it's actually the number one growing religion right now is going to be, uh, uh, which, uh, Wicca stuff like that. That's still nature worshiped or what are they worship? They're worshiping the trees They're worshiping, uh, um, they're worshiping, uh, uh various assets. Acid- I mean, every earth day we get inundated with these, uh, neo-pagan ideas of worshiping nature. Um, so, Paul talked a little bit about that when he was talking about uh, that's, that's the world that the gospel kind of came into. He talked about those that worship the creature, the creation, instead of the creator. And uh, he, he was talking about that in Romans chapter 1. So this becomes, this becomes the backdrop by which the gospel was first preached. And it was a challenge. Those men in Athens, they were worshiping all these various gods. They were worshiping nature. They were, worship, they were worshiping uh, this spirit. They were worshiping ancestors. They were doing these various things. They were worshiping these things that were, what Paul would say, no gods at all. They were simple creation. Uh, they were creatures just like you and just like me. And uh, the Christian view came in. And what is the Christian view of truth? In that world of paganism, uh, truth is precarious. Uh, what, God, what What? What? Because the gods don't create truth. The gods are just as part of creation as anybody else. And uh, what Zeus wants today may not be what Zeus wants tomorrow, because Zeus. Uh, Zeus may want, want you to live right today, but he may want to chase Io tomorrow and, and you know, do something else. And there is, no, there is no certain truth. There is no right and wrong. There is this constant appeasing and changing of the gods, and you never know if you've done anything right. You never know if you've done anything wrong. You, know, you, you, you don't know what you have to do. It is actually kind of a lost world. And along came the preaching of Christianity. Uh, before that, you had the preaching of uh, monotheism by the Jews and, and the expectation of the Messiah. But in the fullness of time, Christ came, and it shaped what, what were it, it shaped the world, and especially the culture that you and I live in is now under the influence of that early Christian uh, of early Christian thought. For the, for this purpose of memory, I'm going to call this pre-modernism. Pre-modernism is simultaneously a world of certainty and a world of wonder. It's a world of certainty because there is a God that is outside of the world that created all bit of order that is in the world. Why is there purpose in everything? It's because there was a God that created purpose in all things. Uh, why, is, why, why can we do science? Because things are repeatable. Because I can, I, I, I can go... And I can do an experiment. And if I've done everything correctly, that will turn out the same same time each time, right? There is a uniformity of natural causes. Uh, Why does the sun rise every morning and not turn into chocolate pudding or something like that? Uh, Because because God is a God of order. There is a created order. But it's also a world of awe because... There is a God that has made himself known, and he's greater than this world. And how did he make himself known? Well, he made himself known through miracles, uh, supernatural events, revealing himself in real history and real events in time. We live in a world where Christ rose from the grave. That's the tenet of Christianity, that there that there is something beyond what we can see and touch and feel. And there's... and We should never lose that wonder that we have about this reality. In essence, if I was to pin down Christianity, it would be this. The beginning of all knowledge, the beginning of all truth, is God. If I don't have God, I don't have truth. If I don't have God, I don't have certainty. If I don't have God, I don't have a uniformity of natural causes. I don't have a cause and effect universe. I don't have the law of non-contradiction. I don't have basic rules of logic that I use to think and go around. These things are real because we live in a world where God is the basis of everything. He's the basis of all knowledge. He's the basis of truth. Uh, so truth, the beginning point of all truth, is God. He is the starting point for knowledge in the pre-modern mind. So for the, for the people that were living in the med- medieval, medieval times, they, they had certainty about the world that was around them. And uh, they had certainty because they knew that God had revealed truth to them. Uh, anybody good at math? All right, a couple of y'all. I'm not good at math, but I can understand that that to do trigonometry you have certain axioms, and once you know those axioms, you can figure out other things. Here, there's a basic truth. In order to know something, I have to first know something before I know something before I know something else. Uh, in order to know the distance between point A and point C, I have to know the distance between point A and point B, and then I can figure out. The distance between point A and point C, but once I know something for sure, then real knowledge can be had based upon based on those axioms. Um, so, so that's why, that's why we have to live in a world where truth is revealed, where where we have this uh, these real concepts that we already know, and, or else we end up in nihilism. We end up in this. This culture where we're never sure what is right, never sure what is wrong, never sure uh, what is true, what is real, uh, what we have to do to get along, or all those things that come, come, come with a, a pagan society. Let's go to one more verse of scripture. Proverbs chapter 1. What time do you all eat dinner, by the way? We're usually about 5.30. 5.30? All right. So I need to to hurry up and get out of the way here. Proverbs 1. If I read this verse last week, I'm sorry. Uh, I go to a lot of the same points, and that's just the nature of things. The very first part of verse 7. Anybody want to read that? Fear of the Lord is the foundation of the true knowledge, but, but fools, despite wisdom and discipline. All right. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning, or as he read it, the foundation of knowledge. It says something similar in Proverbs ten nine, where it says, or nine ten, uh, where it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning or the foundation of wisdom. So what what the, what what this means means is is the Bible is declaring that in order to know something, there must first be a reverence of God. There must be this this uh, this this recognition that God is the basis of it. Now that doesn't make sense to our minds, but think of it this way. Let's let's say there's a, there's a there's an atheist science scientist, and there, I'm sure there's some. He goes and he finds a grain of sand, and he wants to know about this grain of sand. So he gets his measuring rod out and he measures it, and, so, and he he figures out the tensile strength of it, how much pressure it takes to to crush it into something smaller, uh, how much heat it takes to boil it, and he starts writing down all these basic facts. Does he still know anything about that grain of sand? No. He doesn't know anything about why it's there. He knows nothing about its purpose. He knows (laughs) nothing about where it fits into the broader scheme of things. He knows all the, the, anything about the first and final cause comes from God. The big questions of why, uh, and we, in in this world of, 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 uh, the modern, we're not going to talk about modernism today. We'll pick it up next week. Um, Unless you all just want to keep going, I mean, (laughs) that's up to you. But uh, but this world of uh, of uh, philosophers like Immanuel Kant to say, well, you can't really know anything about God. You can't know anything about the thing in itself. You could just know something's there, and that's it. Uh, And that that's not it. Uh, There there is this broader knowledge that you and I can have through the revelation of God, and that's what Proverbs is saying is that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So if you just think of pre-modernism or Christian thought in and of itself, it's this, the beginning of all knowledge, the beginning of of any understanding of truth, you need God and I need God. You need a God that has revealed truth in reality around us. Uh, and what we're going to see as we go on, and this lays the foundation for us to talk about things like uh, "I think, therefore I am uh, someone trying to say the basis of me knowing is me, and I can figure it out for myself. I can start with my experience or I can start with my own intelligence and I can figure out everything else on my own. And that's that's the world of modernism and where it leads and it leads to, well, it leads as we're going to see next time. We're, it leads to, to nihilism. It leads to, it leads to a lot of terrible, terrible th- uh, results because everybody is, everybody thinks they have the corner on the market and, they, and they've got it all figured out. And, and, uh, and if there is no voice that is spoken outside of humanity, oh, we don't, oh. uh, I'm going to stop there, but I do want to turn to one other place, and that is. Oh, I found someone's notes. It's information. <laughs> yeah. Someone's commun- one mind communicated. I talked about this in Deuteronomy 32. Deuteronomy 32:4, the fifth book of the Bible. He is the rock this this foundation he is the fa- he is the, the 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 bedrock if you will he is the rock his work is perfect and all his ways are just a faithful god who does no wrong upright and just is he faithful this a uh, faithful god a god of truth and what I want, what I want to encourage each and every one of you today, is just simply this: truth is not something that we just create here on our own. Truth is part of the world that we live in, and it's our job to, it's our purpose to seek out that truth that is outside of ourselves and to know it. And I believe, all, with all my heart, when Christ said, "I am the truth," that that is. The ultimate, the ultimate uh, end to which you and I are supposed to be seeking. Again, going back to what Paul said in Col- to the Colossians. By him, all things were created and for him. There's a purpose for your life and it's ultimately going to be found in Christ. And that's hopefully what I, as we go on week after week, I hope that that's something that I can convey to you all. I don't. I know this is abstract, and we're going to get into some deep, hopefully more practical stuff as we go on. But is there any questions? Yes. <laughs> this might be awkward a little bit, but the same. Drunk as a sailor. Is it from Proverbs twenty-three?